to reflect back. Many years ago, there was something that I did every day. Um, I used to ride my bike every day. It wasn't uncommon for me to ride really long distances um, multiple times a week. It'd be 25 or 35 miles at a time. And uh, it was just something that became a big part of my life. And in that time, I, um, I joined a group of guys. We were raising money for missions, and we rode... Uh, all the way from Colorado to Missouri across Kansas on Highway 54, 400, and uh, over five days. It was a tremendous experience. Uh, the reason I bring that up is that there's a group of us from here in the church, a group of guys that are starting to get together and getting together, and uh, we've started riding again. And uh, just the other day, uh, we went for a, a, about an 11-mile ride, which is, uh, seems like a long ways if you're walking, but when you're on a bicycle, it's really not that far. And um, I began to reflect on some things that, uh, that had been a part of really long rides, and I began to reflect on some of the observations. Uh, and there's some, there's some correlations. The reason I'd want to bring that to you is that there's an endurance element to that. And it feels to me like we're living through a period of time that just requires some endurance and some, uh, just some things that I want to share with you. Um, that particular ride, referring back to that longest one, uh, and before I get to the points, the, the furthest I've ever ridden in a single day was 109 miles uh, on a bicycle. It's a long ways, uh, but we rode 400 miles uh, that, uh, on that trip, and here's an observation, 400 miles is a long way. If you're on a bicycle, 400 miles takes a while. What's that got to do with anything today? This life, uh, once we get to heaven, once we step over into eternity, we'll gain God's perspective. We'll, we'll, have this, we'll have this understanding that this life was but a vapor. It's just very quick. But right now, while we're in it, there are days that seem long. There are weeks that seem to stretch on forever. And for those of you, as all of you are, that are living through the last six months of the things going on with the COVID pandemic... It just seems like this has been a long ride. Can you say amen to that? It's been a long time. Uh, but there's some things about life. I want to read you some scripture from Hebrews chapter 12. I want to read verses 1 through 6. The writer to the Hebrews says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. Here's that word. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. What's all that mean? Listen, there are just some seasons in life that are long. They're difficult. Uh, the, the road seems to slant uphill. You, you start climbing and it, the, the grade just never stops. It's hard every day for a while. When we, we set out as our goal to ride all the way across Kansas, we began training earlier. When, when we first started, we were barely able to ride five miles. 
slowly through endurance and through not quitting every day led to another day which led to another day which led to another day and we got stronger and our endurance got longer until eventually a 25 mile wide ride was just a well it was just casual it was easy uh, we'd never ridden 100 miles but because of all the training and the endurance the very first day we got on our bikes and rode 109 miles in one day now, if you were to say to me, Pastor, do you think somebody could ride 100 miles on a bike? If you had asked me that before I had ever experienced it, can someone ride 100 miles on a bicycle? I would have said, well, not anybody that I know. But now when you ask me that, well, sure you can. I think if I had to, I could go ride 100 miles today. It'd be very difficult. But there's something about having done it that makes you able to think that you can do it again. I think that's the thing about this life with the Lord. Once you've walked through a trial, once you've gone through one trial and succeeded, once you've endured one difficulty, the next one seems more approachable. It seems more doable. We're living in a time that has lots of difficulty in it. Some of you are living through individual phases of life that have difficulty in them. I want you to know you're going to make it. You can do it. The Lord's with you. It, it may seem insurmountable, but it's not. It seems like a long way, and from where you are, it is. But there's going to come a moment when you're on the other side of it, when you'll look back on that and say, yes, I can do that. I can do that again, even though it's a long way. Don't quit. Run with perseverance, the writer of the Hebrews says. The race marked out for us. The Lord must have thought that you and I could do this, or he wouldn't have put us in this period of time. He wouldn't have allowed us to be in this season. You can make it. The Lord will watch over you. Number two, wind makes a huge difference. A little bit of wind. Um, there's an amazing thing when you're riding. When you're riding a bicycle, just the slightest amount of wind has a tremendous impact. First of all, I want to talk to you about when the wind's at your back. When the wind is with you, oh my goodness, there is, there is not only a physical thing that it does, there's a psychological thing. When you feel, especially if you've ridden into it for a little bit, and then you turn and that wind is at your back, my goodness, you think, I'm going 100 miles an hour. I could ride this bike forever. We're moving so fast. There are other times when you turn and the wind is in your face, and it is so debilitating it is so demoralizing if you have to ride for several hours and the wind's in your face it just drains the want to out of you I had a suggestion the the trip that we made the first two days we rode with the wind at our backs the third day the wind was still the last two days we rode into the wind I suggested to the district superintendent that was riding with me I said hey I got an idea let's just get up every morning see which way the wind is blowing and let's go that way if we just have to cover the mileage, let's just go which way the wind is blowing. But how many of you know that life rarely affords you that opportunity? You can't just go the way the wind's blowing. Sometimes you got to set your face into it. Here's the good news, though. Watch this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Notice this. It says, In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. While a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Oftentimes when we refer to the Holy Spirit, he's referred to being like a wind. And there are two primary reasons for that. In Acts chapter 2 verse 2, in the upper room, it says that they heard a sound 
that was like a mighty rushing wind. The second reason is that the word that is used for spirit in Hebrew is the Hebrew word ruach. And it it refers to uh, the movement of air. It's translated, that same word is translated 232 times in the Old Testament as spirit, but it's also that same Hebrew word, depending on the context, is translated 92 times for wind. In the New Testament, when the Greek language is used, the word is pneuma, from which we get things like pneumonia and, and uh, you know, the, the study of the lungs is pneuma, you know, the, the, the uh, pulmonologist and all of those things. But that word pneuma has 383 occurrences where it is translated something to do with wind and, or no, where it's translated spirit, but 21 of them are translated for the movement of air. So there is this biblical tie between wind and air and movement and the Holy Spirit. Now, back in my analogy, listen, come on now. When the Holy Spirit, when you're moving in the direction that the Spirit, let me say it differently. When you're moving in the direction that God is moving in, it's like a great wind pushing you forward. The flip side of that is that when you're moving in a direction which is in opposition to what God is doing, you're going into the wind. It's absolutely that we... As, the, as people of the Spirit of God become familiar, that we become educated, that we become comfortable, even hungry for God's Spirit to be actively at work in our lives and our church. We don't need to say, Lord, I'm going to be doing this thing. Would you bless it? I think that's an okay prayer. But a much better prayer is, Lord, show me what you're doing and let me get engaged in it with you. Listen, we're going through a difficult season. I want you to know, however, that you're not going through it into the wind. It might feel that way, but rather you're a person who has set their sails and your life has the Holy Spirit pushing you along if you'll move in the direction that the Lord's moving in. What happens if we don't? What happens if we set our face into the wind? We, we sort of know that this is a godly direction, but we say, no, I'm going to move in a different direction. I'm going to do what I want. I'm not going to do godly things. I'm going to do earthly things. I'm going to do unspiritual things. Well, without the Spirit, we eventually become a secular people. We're not spiritual people. We're not godly people. We become completely secularized. Why? Because we forget. We forget what it is that God is about. We forget who He is. We forget His promises for us. We become discouraged. We become despondent. We, we give up. We, we become hopeless because we're moving in a direction that God's not moving in. And when you move in the direction of God, it lifts you. It pushes you. It, it drives you into peace and holiness and, and, and wonderful, joyous things. But when we forget the Spirit, we move in opposition to it. We become secular. We forget who the Lord is. Because the Spirit is a constant reminder that God is real and that He's active on the earth and in our lives every day. God speaks to us. He directs us. He shows us what He has for us. He reminds us of the promises and the goodness and the love and the joy and the purpose and the plan and the, all of the blessings. Jeremiah 29, I know the, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts and plans I have for you. You're moving in line with the thoughts and plans of God and it lifts you up out of all of the circumstances of life 
That wind is at your back. The Spirit is pushing you along. And when you are moving in that direction, you think you could go 100 miles an hour. God speaks to you. How does he do that? He speaks through the Lord. He speaks through the apostles and the writing. Philip, Stephen, Paul, all of them. All of them spoke the things of God through the word of God. Listen to a couple of verses. Acts chapter 11, verse 38. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. Agabus didn't have the ability to speak that into the world without the Spirit of God. He was walking in line with what the Holy Spirit was doing and God using him to deliver a word that protected people. Acts chapter 21, verse 4. Scripture says, Finding the disciples there, we stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit began to reveal to these believers, these disciples, what would happen to Paul in Jerusalem. And they began to encourage him not to go. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let me read several verses, beginning in verse 9. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 13. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words, where the spirit begins to lead you. Listen, when you're moving in the direction that the Holy Spirit's going, it lifts you. It's like, it's like the wind in your sails. Number three. On this ride, through this period of time, through your life, companions matter. Companions matter. When you're on a bicycle and you're riding, especially when you're riding into the wind, there's a thing that bicyclists do called drafting. Now, when you're riding in a, in a race, when you're doing a, a bike race or a triathlon or any of those, it's against the rules to draft. You have to be, in fact, you'll get penalized. In fact, you can be disqualified if you draft. Not like a, the Tour de France, they're in teams are in, they intend to do that, but if you're in a triathlon and you're on your bike and they see you right behind somebody drafting, they'll disqualify you. You have to get out from beside him so that you're facing the same wind that they are because the understanding is, is that there's relief if you have somebody else you can depend upon. Companions matter. When you're trying to ride into the wind, sometimes you draft. Sometimes they draft behind you. Sometimes you're the one taking the load of the wind while they're resting. And then other times they move up and they take the load of the wind and you rest. You can see it too if you, when you're riding and when you get behind someone, they'll be pedaling at one cadence and you'll be going about two-thirds of that. You, you can skip pedal rotations simply because of the hole in the wind that they're making for you. Sometimes they encourage you. Sometimes you encourage them. But the main thing is, no one gets left behind. Your companions matter. Who are you going through this difficult season of life with? Are you alone? If you are, it's easy to be overwhelmed when you're alone. It's easy to be overwhelmed when you don't have someone encouraging you. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, beginning in verse 9, a section of scripture that I bet you're familiar with. It says, two are better than one 
because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. My goodness, so many times, out in the middle of nowhere, tired, wore out, hot, riding along, and just the encouragement of a friend makes you keep going. There was another thing on our really long ride that we had that uh, I think it would be interesting for you to know. There were four of us riding, but it wasn't just us. There was another. There were five of us, but one didn't ride. He drove a van, and he followed us. And in the van, there were extra tires and extra tubes and snacks and juice and everything that we need because we had to take hydration breaks and we were constantly refueling because it's, it's just a long ways. Doing that alone, you could never do it. You could never ride that distance without somebody following you, making provisions, taking things that you need along for the journey. You're not designed to navigate periods of life like what we're going through right now alone. That's the wonder of the body of Christ. It's the wonder of the family of God. That's the wonder of, of just those who walk along beside you. How about you? Are you walking with someone? That's, that's a two-edged sword there. You can, you can either need encouragement, or perhaps if you're strong and you don't need encouragement, maybe that's because you've been positioned by God to encourage someone else right now. Either way, don't try to do it alone. Be a companion or need a companion, but have companions. Because companions on this journey that we're engaged in, those companions matter. They lift you. They encourage you. How many times have I been engaged in any sort of endurance activity and I thought, I'm just going to quit. And then there's that companion that whether they do it out of a, no, come on, you can make it. Or whether they go, come on, you, you weakling, come on, you, I, you know, I'm older than you. I'm, you know, I can't believe that you're going to quit. And then whatever that is, it makes you keep moving. But companions on this journey provide encouragement that you need. Let me give you two more quick ones. Number four, proper nutrition is essential. You say, Pastor, you're going to talk about what we eat? Well, not in the spiritual sense, but yeah. On that ride, I didn't just drink water all the time. You think, well, you got to have a lot of water. Yeah, but there's some other things that you need. We'd get up and we'd eat a good breakfast every morning. And then during the ride, there was a drink. There's a, and there are many of them out there, but the one that I liked was a drink called Cytomax. It's a amino acid, carbohydrate, protein mixture that comes in a you could get different flavors, and it's a powder that you mix with water and you shake it up. You could get to the place where you were riding, where you could feel your energy level begin to drop. Your legs would begin to lose their ability to turn that pedal. You'd, you could just feel it all over your body where the energy was just gone. And stop, fill up your bottle of Cytomax, get a banana, get, get, get some fruit, get some things in you. Drink that down, and within two minutes... You'd begin to feel different. Sometimes you just keep a, a drink bottle. We keep two of them actually in, in, in midstream. We also have little pockets on the back of your jersey, and they we'd use this. <laughs> it's got a wonderful name. It's called Goo G U, and it's a carbohydrate pudding in a little thing. You'd pair the top of it off, squirt it in your mouth, drink some of that Cytomax, and within just a couple of minutes, you could feel the surge of that of that sugar hitting your bloodstream. It would keep you going. You cannot 
face difficult times without feeding yourself. And in this case, we're talking about spiritual things. You can't maintain through difficult seasons without pouring something into your spirit. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus said, It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You're facing a difficult season of life. We all are in the pandemic, but maybe you're facing a sickness. Maybe you're facing a, a loss in your family. Maybe you're facing something that has overwhelmed you. Don't separate yourself from the things of God. If you do, you're going to get weak. You're going to get debilitated. You're going to find yourself exhausted, unable to continue the journey. Remember the section of scripture that we read right in the front in Hebrews chapter 12? The writer of the Hebrews says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Marked out by who? Marked out by the Lord. You're intended to complete this journey and you're not supposed to come across the line all bloodied and battered and just barely. No, I, I think we're supposed to go, the scripture says, from victory unto victory. You've been delivered from that past. Don't go back to it. Don't live in it. You can be free. You can be free. But you've got to take in the right stuff. What do you feed in your mind? What do you feed in your heart? What are you thinking on? The scripture gives us an admonition to whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, whatsoever things, listen, you know those scriptures, think on these things, dwell on the blessings of God and the good things of God. Where do you find those? You find those in God's word. Listen to worship music that, 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 that lifts up the Lord. Watch things that that talk about the hope of the Lord. Have a steady diet of the things of God because if you're going to make, if you're going to make this journey, you're going to have to get nutrition. You're going to have to get the right stuff in you. You can't run on empty and make this race. How are you in the Word of God? Are you, are you part of our daily Bible reading? Are you part of the Facebook group, Pastor Roy's Bible reading group? Have you, do you queue in every day and fill up? Do you fill up your spirit with the good things of God? If you will... You'll have the endurance to make this race. Proper nutrition is essential. And then finally, number five, rest is essential. You can't run without stopping. I watched a documentary uh, a couple of months ago. It was fascinating. I didn't know, but there is a coast-to-coast bicycle race every year. Individual competitors, not teams, individual competitors leave from the West Coast they ride the same route, and they arrive at the East Coast. When I tell you how long they do it in, you're going to be, I was, dumbfounded. All right? This documentary followed a lady who was attempting to break the lady's record. That record was just a little over nine days. Coast to coast on a bicycle. One of the things that becomes the most uh, difficult is that she only sleeps the competitors only sleep just a few hours every night they know that this is going to be a grueling non almost completely non-stop excruciatingly difficult 10-day period nine-day period and they take off and they ride all day all afternoon deep into the night stop Sleep two hours maybe, 90 minutes. Get up, get back on the bike and do that again for 20 hours. As long as they can until they have, and they, 
in this documentary, she would drive herself to the place that she would begin to hallucinate. After four or five days of that mid-race, where she's in five or six days, only had maybe a, a total of six or seven hours of sleep in five or six days, she began to see things. There's another problem that the sleep deprivation began to do to her as she began, and this, this was interesting to me, as she hit altitudes like the Rocky Mountains, there's something that happens in the combination of the lack of sleep and the altitude where it begins to affect her lungs. Literally, her physical body can't function anymore. And then they have to take a longer break. But even that was very short. But here's the reality of this race that we're in. This isn't intended by the Lord to be an unending, unbroken, never resting race of endurance from cradle to grave. Are there seasons like we're living in now? Yes. Two things. First of all, those seasons don't last. They come to an end. Can you say praise the Lord for that? This pandemic thing will come to an end. Life will rock back to some form of normal again. This will be behind us. Masks will be gone. Vaccines will be available. People will be, they'll be, they'll be, things will return. Always has. But even in the midst of this, you've got to find times of rest. How do you do that? My wife was telling me something last night. I was talking about the yesterday and all the things that had gone on and there was just a lot of decisions a lot of moving parts counseling appointments I did a funeral I had a pressery meeting just a lot of pieces yesterday when I got home last night I was just done my wife we're laying in bed it's time to go to sleep and she says and she knows me she says okay before you go to sleep I want you to do something she said I want you to picture yourself sitting out (laughs) sitting out in a boat on the river it's night, because I like being out there at night. She says, it's a clear sky. You can see the moon coming up, which is beautiful this time of year. You can see the Clark Bridge and all the lights, and the, the way you like it when the breeze is blowing, and it's just silent. She said, think about that. No, I was gone. <laughs> Even in the midst of the difficult seasons, there are times of rest that the Lord provides. How do you find those times? Well, you get away from the routine. You get away from the structure. You get away from the things that you have to do, and you just find quiet. I find it outdoors. What about you? Where do you go for rest? Do you listen to music? Maybe you put on your headphones, turn out the lights, listen to praise music. Do you just celebrate the good things of God? Do you, you know, maybe you get in your kitchen and you cook. Take your mind off of the things that are... Maybe you surround yourself with friends and you, uh, you know, go for a walk, do something. But what do you do? Because if you try to run this race without seasons of rest, here's what happens. You begin to hallucinate. You begin to judge things and see things. And you begin to, you begin to make decisions that aren't what the Lord wants you to do. If you rest and pull away refresh, renew, get some rest, get some good food, spiritual things. You get back on the bike of life stronger than you were the day before. But you got to find times of rest. And you don't find those primarily in the world. You find those in the Lord and in His presence. Observations from the ride. I think they're good observations for how we navigate through seasons like this. 